You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Interstate Batteries has been a proud supporter of the Sportsman's Nation since day one. They offer just about every battery under the sun, from car and truck batteries to batteries for your trail cameras and rangefinders. Select retail locations even offer cell phone repair and cracked screen repair. Find a local retail location at interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. Hey, welcome back. Welcome back to another podcast episode on the Michigan Life Outdoors podcast. Thanks for being here as always. And yeah, I mean, can you guys smell fall just a little bit? I think we're all kind of getting getting that itch and we're trying to find a way to scratch it. And, uh, you know, September is going to be here before you know it. So if you've got an out west hunt planned or an out-of-state hunt before the the October 1st opener here in the state of Michigan, this podcast might help you out because Tom, Carson, and Kelly get together uh, to talk and to discuss what they're, you know, where their heads are at right now, what they're planning on for their Colorado elk hunt in a few weeks, what they still need to get ready. They go over food, a lot of the gear, a lot of just open dialogue. What I wanted them to do was just kind of just talk it out like if they were going to be meeting um, to talk about their trip of what they still have to get ready, you know, the food that they're prepping, kind of like what they learned from the past, basically just like an open BS session. And I hope you guys find some some pearls and some tips out of here um, before you start to pack and kind of put out the finishing touches on your trip out west. So without any further ado, let's get into the podcast episode here with Tom, Kelly, and Carson. Enjoy. All right. Welcome. We're back. Welcome back, guys. Today's date is August 17th. You're here with KP. Got CP and Tom. We are missing Lee today, but welcome back to the podcast. Today we have a discussion on everything in our world right now as far as hunting and prepping, especially Colorado, and looking forward to a good discussion with you guys. Michigan Life Outdoors, how we're living August. People think it's the off time of year, and we could not be any busier. Holy moly. <laughs> Crazy busy. Um so where do you guys want to start? Getting ready for Colorado. We're getting ready for Michigan deer season, Ohio deer season. Um, doing our workouts. Cameras, tree stands. I've seen pictures of uh, all your guys' piles. Amazon's been treating you guys well. And yeah. Every other store. Been nuts. Yeah. Uh, why don't we start with that? Some new gear that we're ordering right now. Gravity uh, filters for water. We've had them before. We used a Sawyer. We like, Sawyer, yep. Like those was a great, but uh, I want to start with the fresh one. You know, they're not too crazy expensive, and then they're sure. clean. I did the same. 
Okay, so we got a couple of those. We got in reaches. All three of us have in reaches for communication. Mm -hmm. I still have to uh, turn my file back on. You can turn them on and off month by month. I do too. Yep, you do. I'm gonna turn them on for the next couple of months. That we any any place that we are, we can communicate with home and each other. The yeah. basics. All new broadheads. Yep. Arrows. Arrows. I ordered two dozen. I think CP ordered three dozen. They're great. They're so colorful. <laughs> I'm excited. I picked mine out because of color. <laughs> that does not surprise me one bit. Uh, I'm good to go on arrows. Bow's all tuned in. Uh, everything's sighted in. I feel really good about that. Tom, um, tell him about uh, me and you both have the same problem shooting our bow right off the bat. I, I haven't figured it out yet. I'm not really sure if I'm going to figure it out. Um, my bow was shooting a couple inches low right off the bat. And um, we talked about this before. We mark our bows. Um, Carson goes nuts when he marks his bows. I didn't go to the extreme, but took a, a sharpie and marked cables and sights and the heads of the bolts and where my arrow rest sits and for whatever reason from last year till now uh my bow shot consistently like four inches low at every yardage um nothing changed as far as my pin like it was at every every pin was like that so same arrow same everything same everything same weight same grain same everything i'm not really sure the only thing i think is we discussed a little bit maybe possibly my arrow rest uh wearing down sure. maybe we talked about maybe it's wearing down a little bit making it just a teeny bit lower causing your yeah be out of square and shoot a little lower shooting great but it was funny because my bow was doing, because Carson here, exactly the same. I was yeah. about four inches low at 20 yards. And, you know, then whatever math that works out, six inches low sure. at 35 or so. And uh, I made one little adjustment. I moved my adjustable spot hog little sight there. Yep. Boom. Right. I mean, shooting great patterns, mm -hmm. uh, groups, I should say. We all shoot spot hogs. And if you know anything about spot hogs, they number their uh, type, the tape for their sight. So I, I didn't change the number. I literally just had to move the tape, and every pin fell exactly where it was supposed to. So nice. I'm not really sure what happened. Um, but it, it's fine now. It's all good. Awesome. Good, good thing you checked that stuff, right? Yeah. Kelly, you showed me some pictures of uh, shooting some long shots right in the boiler room. Yeah, we're trying and ordered some stuff myself. Uh, we got some new one-gallon collapsible bags that we wish we had more of last year. We have some quart-sized bags, squeeze bags that we can take out in the field for after a day camp or when we leave for the day. That was something we needed last year. And this is for your drinking water. Drinking water, yep, out of the streams if we run out of water. Um, chapstick was a big one. Um, I got some foot powder that we're going to try to help hopefully take care of our feet. It was one of our biggest problems last time. So We all have... Uh crispy boots we loved them but our feet were getting wet so now we're all getting a better instead of a camp shoe i think at least me, me and keller on the same page we're bringing the camp shoe slash shoe we can kind of hike in when we're light packed yeah like a tennis shoe type boot and i think we're gonna get a lot of comments on that because we're <laughs> gonna look pretty goofy with a low cut tennis shoe but uh tell us a little bit how you came to that decision so uh yours look better than mine because yours are like a little darker color mine are I, my wife bought for me. They're a high-end running <laughs> shoe. They're bright white, and they're still clean because I only wear them, like, on the treadmill and working out. And so I am going to have you all dressed in camel with bright white little sneaker oh, shoes. Oh, boy. On. I think we need a picture of that for the thumbnail for, like, this <laughs> podcast, just a little white sneaker. So I'm wearing them working out all the time. They are top-notch comfortable, and I love them. They're just regular tennis shoe. And they are made by On, O-N, On Happiness is what it says. They're a tennis shoe brand. 
Yeah, just like, a regular sneaker tennis shoe, but they are really comfortable. And we're going to cut our weight about in half. So from the Krispies to the tennis shoes, we're about yeah. half the weight. The, the drawback is are we, we're not going to have the ankle support, which we're going to find out if that's uh, going to be a good thing or a bad thing. And yeah. so thought process, Kelly and I talked about this a little bit. When we're heavy or hiking in or on rough terrain, we're going to wear our boots like normal. When we're starting to get on hunt mode, slow down, I'm going to have my boots with me and the, the tennis shoes with me at all times so I can switch out back and forth. We're starting to slow down, hike a little flatter. Maybe. And when we leave for the day, we usually have, you know, 15, 20 pounds with us, not very much weight at all. Right. True. I think a big factor is we know where we're going. We've already done this. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think we go in blind with tennis shoes. Yeah. We, good point. We got a really good idea of what we're getting into before we get into it. Obviously, if the elk's not there, they're not there, but pretty sure, pretty confident where we're going. And, and no major like creeks uh, or streams across or anything like that where the waterproof boot would be more necessary. We have one little stream across and sure. there's a log across there, so no big and deal. And dew in the morning might be an issue, and I'm wearing my boots if it's wet, of course. And sure. Just, once it gets to midday and it's drying out, I'll switch and switch accordingly, right? Just have more tools and toolbox. And they, what do they weigh, a pound maybe or something? I think they were seven Depending on what shoe you got, it was six to eight ounces per shoe. So you're talking one pound total, total. for a pair of tennis shoes. Where the Krispies, I thought it said 1.5 pounds per shoe. I think that's per boot. Yeah, it was like 24 ounces. So you're at three pounds like versus that. one pound. Gotcha. Total. We'll have both of those. So we'll be able to switch back and forth accordingly. Or even just at camp, I brought Croc, uh, Crocs last time. Yeah. It was cool to have, nice to slip on and off, but then I didn't really want to hike on them. Even if I'm hunting low, my feet were sweaty, so that's why I'm like, man, these tennis shoes are so breathable and great. Sure. They don't fit every hunt or everywhere mm-hmm. you go, but like I said, we've already been there. We're talking about Colorado elk hunt coming up in mid-September, mm-hmm. and so um, that was something we worked on. What's some other stuff you guys bought? I've seen big piles. Um, I got carabiners. I got that foot yeah. powder, which I already mentioned. Uh, I bought a new a new um dual lav mic so that's a, a two mic system for a camera that we have to play with some more and learn so what's a lav mic lav mic is a little mic that clips on your usually on the collars you guys you'll see them in you know tv shows or uh, movies or whatever but they just clip on and that's just for uh more for speaking audio so when you're doing interviews or talking uh picks up absolutely great mm-hmm. audio and that'll be input right into our camera and hopefully uh, ramp that up a little bit obviously if you're new to the podcast uh, we film all of our hunts it's on bragging rights on youtube bragging rights outdoors so hopefully we have a sweet elk video and mule deer and black bear we got tags for everything talking about still colorado i uh ghetto switch macgyver my pack like always i got a kafaru pack uh suspension and frame it is top notch it's expensive but it's sweet and then I like all the pockets of my Kuyu pack, you'd call that. Uh, 7,200, I think. 7,200 Kuyu pack. I broke my other pack because I fell. Kelly broke two packs because he's crazy. <laughs> and uh, these are these top-of-the-line packs, best of the best, and we're breaking them. Makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense, poop yeah. art style. <laughs> and so uh, I put the two together. I had to rig it up a little bit, but I like it. So I, I'm feeling the Kafaru pack and suspension feels great on me can't really feel the, the the pack itself the bag but it has like 50 pockets in there which all my little gadgets work out pretty good for mm-hmm. me yeah what are you guys doing uh as far as food i imagine kel's probably not switching too much up he's pretty happy i was super happy i ordered a bunch of mountain houses i love them some people have 
problems with digesting them or whatever. Um, me personally, I like a high sodium diet. That's what I live on and I love them. They're great. Easy jet boils are fantastic. I'm going to stick with those, especially in the evening time. I don't eat too much in the morning, but uh, all stuff that's convenient. And I'm going to stick with the, the cashews and the Snickers bars and the M&Ms and all the sugary stuff, sugar and salt, because that's what our body's craving when we're up there. Absolutely. Um, we're talking about staying on the mountain for nine, eight, nine days. Yeah, I think last time we, we packed for like five and we pretty much determined uh, either we're going to shoot an elk or don't find the elk and we're coming back in five. I think that was the beginning. Yeah. Yep. And then so, reload and then, and then go reload back in. and go back and either hunt more elk or go to a different area. So on a nine day hunt, we're planning on five days because within that five days, we're going to kill something, come back out or we're bailing and we're going to a different area. We're, sure. we're changing plans within mm-hmm. that time or less. Um, I'm going to change up a little bit. Last time I brought some sugary snacks. Didn't eat any of them brought way too much food we all did like so we packed for five days and we only brought one more day of food in yeah, there we had an upper nine days with our five with days our five of food. Days yeah. food i'm a copying off kelly uh, a lot more than last time and his point was bring stuff that you like yep. and so i'm doing exact same as you i like breakfast foods so i don't want to whatever we, each one of us are doing what we normally do eating sure. pretty mm-hmm. similar to we eat here and we've still been working out here so it's I, I changed mine. Do you? Well, I thought last time I'd eat like I normally do. And like here, I, I eat a lot of peanut butter and tuna and meat. And when we got up on the mountain, I wanted Snickers bars and M&Ms. And like I wasn't eating all my mountain house. I wasn't hungry. But when I did eat, I wanted like sugar and fat. Fatty like food. Cinnabon. Yeah. And I still lost whatever, 10 or 15 pounds. Like We, we all lost weight a lot. A ton, yeah. So I'm going to switch that up. And I... Uh, I think we all did. We individually, I had my bags day one and I had like breakfast, lunch and dinner, you know, in little Ziploc bag in one big bag. And uh, I think I'm just going to mix them all up because all I did was rob all the stuff that I wanted from all the bags and then basically packed my day pack every day. So yep. I'm just going to put like three bags of food in there and I'm going to cram it all in there and, and uh, just pick what I want for the day. Hmm. I'm not going to label nothing. I'm just mm-hmm. going to eat what I want to eat. It's good advice. I'm copying up Kel on that. I'm doing for breakfast. I like carbs. And, um, oh God, I'm going to drink more water. That's one of my goals. Drink more fluids. Yep. I'm going to eat all packaged foods, you know, um, bars, protein bars, um, carb type of stuff. And yeah. I loved all them sausages, them prepackaged yep. sausages. Uh, the, They're really good. The jerky, the the small, like, little sausage sticks, like, all that stuff. The sticks. Just not yeah. wrap and eat it. As long as it's not in the refrigerated section at the grocery store, you're good to go. It's packaged, it's preserved, throw it in your pack, you're good to go. But uh, I had some bacon jerky in the morning, one morning, yep. and like I try to create special bags for like a special day. Like, mm-hmm. um, you know, so I'm the extremist, or if you look at this all by numbers, that food that you're talking about is not by numbers the most calories, the most bang for your buck with how much it weighs and how many um, nutrients you're getting out of it. So last time I went more by numbers. And I left half my food there. I didn't want to eat it. I didn't touch it. Yeah. Kel went by, I really want to eat this. He probably got more calories than I did because he was eating stuff that he actually wanted to eat. Half sure. my stuff stayed in a package and didn't eat it. On the second note, I'm going to do like we are all talking about, peel and eat in the morning. Peel and eat all day. Snacks, nuts, uh, trail mix, little hunter sticks, meats, um, little protein packs, 
all them things that I can peel and eat easy. And then for dinner, I'm going to eat a mountain house, a nice dinner, get a good carb base, some yeah. noodles, that kind of stuff, and crash for the night. Sure. I always look forward to that one mac and cheese meal. Like, <laughs> only one, because it's a pain in the butt to make. You got to boil it for like six, eight minutes. It yeah. takes a lot of fuel from that one that one dinner with mac and cheese. That's the favorites. real mac and cheese. So you yeah. got the mountain house mac and cheese, but right. like... Uh, last time Velveeta. we we, Velveeta. Velveeta, we 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 busted the box and uh, put it in Ziploc bags with the cheese. Yep. And uh, I think we made it once or twice. And we even uh, one of you guys, I think Carson killed a mule deer and we ate the back straps um, with mac and cheese. That was pretty phenomenal. We got to put that into play. We got partridge last time. We got yep. mule deer. We got elk. elk. All that's a ton of lean, nice meat we can throw in with one of our mountain houses yep. and stuff. And I think every day we're going to get sure. a partridge or something small like that mm-hmm. or, or something big too. And I, I ordered just a little bit off topic, but I ordered a new foam pad for my quiver. So how my arrows got loose mm. and I put Good my idea. arrows in and out all the time. So I just ordered it. So um, new Matthew solo cam, let's got the quiver, whatever, but it's just a foam pad. It's only like 20 bucks, but we all lost arrows. And so we have to do Mark, better on that. I took uh, a rubber band and I put it up where your arrows clip in the, the middle point of the quiver. And I went from one side to the other and basically rubber band my arrows in there. And it works awesome. Like, Obviously, if we're hunting, it's not going to be on there, but if we're packing, I'm going to put the rubber band on there, and I'm pretty sure my arrows ain't going to come out anyway. Yeah, I wondered how you are going to do that. I'm not caring. Um, I've got a tight spot quiver. Yeah. That's what it is, tight spot quiver, and it holds a lot, like eight arrows or nine or something. Well, if it's anything like last time, you might want to bring those. Yeah, I'm bringing them all <laughs> might bring into two base camp, though. Then yeah. I'm ditching back down to like my four or five. So I have four fresh ones at base camp. Sure. Also, my tips, I never want to shoot an animal without a perfectly fresh tip. And I was practicing with one. Then you guys saw some of the videos or not. We shot mule deer. We shot elk. And I lost an arrow. So now I'm down to low. So I want to bring extra broadheads and blades because I want to shoot a brand new clean broadhead every time to get my best chance of a kill. Um, so I was looking for a little container. <laughs> you guys are laughing at me like always. Oh, got an Easter egg, and it fits <laughs> perfect. All the broadheads fit in there perfect, and it's super light. The kids are – it was an Easter time, and I'm like, that would be a perfect container. <laughs> and so I get the Easter egg, and I'm going to put electrical tape around it, and that will be all my backup broadheads um, to replace why we're up there nice good idea all things we've learned kind of as we go yeah not really changing anything different just tweaking a bunch of little things uh we talked about the tripod i'll let you can talk about that kelly you had experience with yours yeah so i want a little bit better tripod this time um unfortunately it's something that we carry all the time 24 7 so it's not it's not something I'm super excited about to go up in weight, uh, but I do want that durability. Uh, Carson broke one. I shot an elk over a, a brush pile last last time and um, missed the shot because it was like a four-foot tripod. I could shoot over it, but the camera wasn't high enough to shoot over it. So I felt like that was a, a missed opportunity that would have been nice to have on you film. Mi- so. You missed the video shot. The you video shot. Smoke the elk. Out the, yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> and we're talking about self-filming, right? So it's not like yeah. we have dedicated personnel to, to do that. So we'll be doing it for each other a little bit. But most of the time, at least until we get elk down, we'll be on our own. So oh, it's challenging. We changed. Uh, we well, haven't changed it yet, but we've discussed it. Uh, a huge strategy. Uh, we separated quite a bit right off the bat looking for elk, exploring the mountain. Uh, we're going to call, not going to call, trying to figure out what works, what don't. And we've come to the conclusion it's probably best to stick together and, and call elk in. Obviously, we're not professionals, but 
I think that's what we decided for the most part. Yeah, and I'm all for that idea. I went round and round Kelly for, with this for at least an hour, and uh, I came to conclude I agree with you guys because even if it is more or less successful, it's better to get the memory as a group. And like, it took me a day to think about that and buy in. I'm like, yeah, better just, video. Just stay together and be cool. Like, Kel got an elk and. And we had these opportunities with you and me, and we had one five elk bugle at the same time. And I was going nuts. Like, it may have worked or didn't on the multiple things I'm talking about, but sure. celebrating together and being able to throw the ideas back and forth is, is high quality. When so. you guys shot, or when Kelly shot his elk, um, I was like a little over four miles away from you guys. Mm-hmm. Then I met up with you guys after you shot the elk. I was on the other side of camp. Like, you were sweating other side. by the time you got yeah, there. Yeah, like a two-hour walk just to get to you guys. <laughs> and that victory roar is priceless. That's what I like to call the victory roar. Carson yeah. and I were going nuts. And, you know, that's one of those things that you only have that that moment one time in that scenario. And, and that was really sure. special. And then they're like, man, I wish Tom was here. And, you know, kind of got to tell you the story. Sure. But it's not like living it together. Absolutely. And, uh, that whole trip, we like to you know, make it about camaraderie and, and doing the stuff together. So me and Karst discussed a little bit the other day about uh when it's on, it's on. The day you killed your elk, it was like go time. Every on. elk on the mountain was bugling like it was time. And uh when you shot your elk, we pretty much shut it down instantly, started animal care and started packing meat and this and that and we discussed taking care of that elk and, and going back and trying to get more elk. Like, so tell them how it. you're going to do that. I've seen some pretty giant little uh, pictures of. Yeah, we bought some uh, pretty good size uh, dry bags. I'm not sure. They're maybe 36 inches by uh, maybe 28, 30 inches. Um, they're ultralight glue bags. Um, I wouldn't say they're the sturdiest bags that I've seen. But, uh, man, they're super light, and hopefully we can debone some meat, put them in these dry bags, and uh, keep them cool, maybe possibly put them in these cricks. Or oh. depending on the weather, we might be able to hang them. Um, just depends. So I don't think the people are following along. We want the dry bags to put the meat, the elk meat in, the deboned elk meat, in the water, in the stream, because it's coming directly out of the um, side of the mountain. So it's like almost spring fed i would say or mm-hmm. it's, it's cold right it's, it's gonna 50, cool 50 it down degrees. as fast as possible and so you can put it in there put rocks on top it's almost the same temperature as a refrigerator so you're going from 90 some temperature 90 some degree temperature meat put it in 50 degree water but you don't want it directly in water and get wet no. so you need that cool temperature but keeping it clean and dry that's why we need the dry bags and the goal is to do that as quick as possible and hopefully take advantage of a bunch of bugling elk in the perfect situation or the peak time, the best day and not spend uh, a day and a half or two days hiking off the mountain and taking care of all that hiking back up the mountain. We lost, you know, however many hours, you know, probably peak a good time. 24 hours of peak time. And so instead we could do all this, keep hunting, maybe get another on the ground, hike two of them out yeah, or hunt, hike at night or go the next morning when things slow down. So it just gives us more yeah. options, right? I just think that uh, we talked to when it's time, it's time. And I think you have that little small window because after we hiked back up the mountain, it was still pretty good. But every day it got a little bit less like they would bugle whether it was hunting pressure or us running all over the mountain or it was just not time anymore. The temperature slowing down. Yeah, anything. Wind. There was a lot of factors playing into sure. that. But when it's go time, you take advantage that. of it. Yeah. Um, so what about we've been talking uh, what about other stuff, which is August. Most people are chilling and hanging out in August, not grinding the stuff. 
we're busier than ever with our personal lives and our work and all our stuff, but we're still doing cameras, which we messed your cameras up, Kel. Yep. Tell, tell how we set you up bad on that one. Yeah, well, we, we bragged up the, the spy points there, I think, on a couple episodes <laughs> ago. And, uh, well, we've never deleted the SD cards yet. Well, the SD cards have firmware, which makes the spy points work. that tells them how to work, and so they can send the pictures. Well, we didn't want, you know, a couple thousand pictures on there, so they deleted a whole, all the cards and, uh, yep, deleted the firmware along with it. So hopefully the pictures are still being saved and we'll be sure. able to for get the new trail cameras you're trail cameras about, for white-tailed deer hunting yep not spy points fault by any means uh just bad bad decision on us and i was thinking cal didn't go with us on this setting which he normally does all the work and i'm like if we could delete any sd cards it's got to be kelly's because i don't <laughs> want him upset with me they got to be perfect so we're doing our trail cameras going down we have maps location when we're setting 20 of these things we're setting them right all over many properties all over and we're changing batteries and all that. So I'm like, Kelly's got to delete them all. Delete, delete. And uh, next thing you know, hey, ours are working great. I didn't delete mine. And uh, <laughs> Kelly's like, you punk. Every one of mine are not working. So now we got to drive back all over the place for all our properties to try to fix some of these trail cameras to also get ready our deer season at the same time. And then Jaybird is pretty soon joining us, one of our buddies, Jason. What's up, Jay? And uh, checking tree stands. Mm-hmm. straps Tom tell them about a couple of straps you broke I watched you break a couple sometimes. yeah um, I did it intentionally it wasn't a strap it's uh, the cables that run from the spine of the tree stand that goes next to the tree to the platform yeah um, and I just check them I put my safety harness on crawl up there and give them a good jump you know hard as I can and uh, I busted a couple of them them little cables rust and but you didn't fall to the ground no I had my safety safety harness on I did it potentially and just hoping that i wouldn't catch it on a you know cold december day and fall 20 feet right um totally intentionally but yeah i broke a couple of them it it happens gotta wear your safety straps please anybody listen wear your safety strap it's worth it now we're hanging hunting sometimes and we have tree stands to climb in hanging hunt you're pretty much attached to the tree 100 percent of the time all the way up you got that lineman belt you guys need to have that on there if you got to work around branches and stuff where you need to unhook you need to be running two lineman belts that way you're hooked in one you hook you're still hooked in your other one while you're unclipped and so on and so forth so yeah. back in the day dad has no tree stands climbing up standing on one foot on a branch right till mm-hmm. his foot falls asleep stand on the other one <laughs> grab arrows from a kmart shelf or who knows what and uh falls out of a tree this was actually a tree stand that he falls asleep and no safety strap falls. He was high, 25, 30 feet. Breaks his neck in three spots. Breaks his wrist, his thumb on the other hand. He cast on both arms and his neck in a full brace for six months. Could have died, I mean, very easily. The better part of that story is he didn't know he broke his neck. He went to work. He was, like, stiff neck, trying to, like, crack it. <laughs> he went to the chiropractor. They took x-rays. And they're like, don't move. He's like, what do you mean don't move? I've been working for three days. <laughs> like, your neck's broke. And you go to the hospital. And oh. So he didn't know it for a couple of days that his neck was actually broke. Yeah, how crazy is that? So Stuck. point to the story, please, please wear your safety harnesses. Um, you have young kids going up that uh, safety line all the way up with a prusik knot. Mm-hmm. Look it up. YouTube it. Yeah. Your 
cinched all the way up. You fall, you're completely caught and safe. You can go up and down, regular tree stand, ladder six, whatever you want. Yes, we should probably explain that a little bit better for people who don't know what we're talking about. You have a main line that runs from the base of the tree at the very bottom on the ground all the way up above your tree stand. This is just a normal, uh, you can use any rope you want, but you know, like a 5'8 diameter rope that runs the whole length. And then you have a prussic knot. And make sure it's strong enough because some ropes that you just buy at the store, I mean, right. they're 200 pounds and your load when you fall is, I don't know the math, like tenfold, crazy. yeah. Tenfold, right. So yeah. if you weigh 200 pounds, you're 2,000 pounds shot. Shock load, yeah. Shock load. So just, make sure it's strong enough. Just be dumb. Buy the one from Cabela's or Bass Pro there Shop. That's a fall rope. It's made for that. Yeah. Yep. Everything's there. Like, it's simple. It's worth the money. Yeah. It doesn't matter what it's cost. And you end up in a wheelchair, I mean. It's yep. priceless. Yep. And then it's got a prussic knot, which is just a two-foot loop, which is a special knot. You slide it up with your hand as you climb. You slide it up. And then if that if you ever fall, that knot catches on itself, and it'll it'll hold you in place. There. So you can move that knot, but if you ever fell, that knot catches you. And they also make mechanical devices that do the same thing mm-hmm. if you wanted to play the simple route and just buy sure. it, right? And they have prussic knots already set up on ropes, this whole thing that you can just yep. buy, too. They don't Whatever look, it takes, just be safe and be strapped in. Yeah, they don't look super sturdy, them little prussic knots and them ropes, but they work. We use them at work and yeah. use them in the woods. Where do you work at? Fire department. Yeah, fire department. <laughs> um, cool. So we have piles of stuff. You have uh, water bottles changes. We've got food going down. We've got arrows. We've got bow tuning. Oh, I did a mental. Um, I was scared. I kept over judging my distance um, when the elks were coming in. I kept saying, we all did it. Like we were saying, oh, that's probably 30 yards. Range it, 22. Oh, that's probably 40 yards, 30 yards. It, with all them trees and dense where we're going, now we're talking about Colorado again. So I practice trying to just judge distance and we're in the open ground, so it's completely different and trying to shoot with one pin, not adjusting my sight. Very challenging. You, you judge eight, 10 yards off. I mean, that's a big, six, eight inches off you're on your shot once you're at 30, 40 yards. You know, your arrows are dropping in. Kept overthinking it and being scared. And one of uh, my son's wrestling coach guys, don't overthink it. Just do what you always do. Stop getting in your head. Just judge your distance. Pick a hair, like Dad said, the three rules. Pick a hair you want to hit. Um, first, wait for a good shot. Pick a hair you want to hit. Smooth release. So I went back out and stopped overthinking it. And I improved my shots majorly just by getting my mind right focus so working on a little mental prep before the challenges actually come something i've been working on it's super hard when the elevation change when you're looking uphill or looking downhill man that throws everything off um i actually went and bought a new range finder and it's got the arc so it adjusts the degree of angle and it tells you what yardage you should shoot it for and what the actual yardage is okay um i went and bought a new one just because of that nice and if you have that couple seconds to range it, I think all of us, them, they're done like dinner. Yeah. It's just hard when you say, I think that's about 30. Yeah, probably. And they're like, I only got three <laughs> more seconds since opportunity's closing. And then you shoot it for 30 and 25. But Kel had a good point, too, where you're shooting a deer this big and the elk are so much larger. Mm-hmm. If we just concentrate and hit in the middle and then letting it fall in, we're still going to have 20 inches for it to fall into. Yep. And I think that's important because when time is short, you know, you don't have a, if you have an adjustable site, you just don't have the time to move it. So shoot. I mean, yeah, do we shoot better with when we have time to adjust the pins, but we need to practice of guessing yardage, shooting, mm-hmm. shoot at five yards, shoot at 
you know, shoot at, you know, 40, shoot at 80, you know, shoot all those that you, that you, even if you don't think you're ever going to do that, but just get that time and see what it does. I made a giant mistake last year as far as rushing, um, being from Michigan, being whitetail hunter, hunting whitetail. I think whitetail are the hardest animal to hunt. And, uh, had elk come in, Carson was calling, Kel was videoing and, um, rushed a shot that I shouldn't have took because uh, the elk was getting spooked a little bit and I assumed the elk would act just like a white tail and it would bolt you know it'd be gone it's taken off and uh took a shot that I probably shouldn't have shot um end up hitting a limb and missing the elk thankfully didn't wound anything but um I I learned a lesson uh them out west animals elk and stuff like that they are not nearly as spooky as a white tail um my goal is to hopefully not rush a shot, take the time, because I, I think you got all the time in the world. If you call one of those things in, I, I think you got a pretty huge opportunity to take your time and make a good shot. Um, I, I rushed it for sure, thinking it was a deer, and they're not deer. They don't act mm-hmm. like deer at all. Even with the shot, scared it. It jumped 10 yards, stopped, and was ready, like, debating on coming back or not. It was going to come back, yeah. wasn't sure. Even if we spook them, I think they're going to, if we do a little couple eh, cow calls or something, I think they're going to stop in 10, 15 yards to get a second opportunity. If they don't get your wind, I, I think you got a good chance. You can call them back. I think you can do a lot. of You get away with a lot. The minute they get your wind, them things are gone, man. Whitetail, get one little twig or move or your your arm brushes up against your side and they gone. Yeah. Gone, gone. Interesting. Um, um, talk about mental stuff a little bit more, which I think I brought up before, um, going into this trip, you know, these trips are one of the most intense things that, you know, we do, especially for a week span or something. Um, so I have some of my favorite people in my life, write me some notes so uh, on certain days they go hey hey you know so and so you write me a little motivation note and that just helps get you in the right mindset the right thinking uh, helps put a smile on your face and I think that's really important to stay positive when you're up there and stay in the right space and don't get so hyper focused on getting the job done but enjoy it too and and that sort of things I think a little uh, note from the wife or a relative or a best buddy I think those that can really help put you in the right spot yeah absolutely saying mental toughness is absolute key i always like repeating words you know discipline or stay on it or this time i'm going to keep saying time i think because i've been busy lifestyle lately and i can't wait to just all right whether it works or doesn't i'm going to enjoy my time and just yeah. i don't have to be anywhere i don't have to do anything we'll just see where it's a I vacation want <laughs> it's supposed yeah. to be anyways <laughs> we <laughs> you know need, how that's we, we need a vacation from yeah, the vacation but sure. um, i think you just got to enjoy the moment wherever we're at whatever we're doing just uh you know embrace the suck a little bit we're packing out just enjoy it mm-hmm. i got a few more things on my list here i just purchased uh tylenol pm yeah. which uh we you know we Game all changer. enjoyed last year last trip um i got some pour over coffee so those are uh really convenient they have little tabs on them so you can put them on any bottle any cup and you just boil your water from your jet boil and pour it over that whereas that old coffee press you get the grounds all in there and made mm-hmm. a mess so the pour over coffee is awesome and and that's made by kuju k-u-g-u i'm not sure i'm sorry k-u-j-u i'm not sure if i'm pronouncing that right um but i'm excited about that and i've tried it here it's pretty good um tinfoil blankets uh, for meat care so those are actually emergency blankets i think we've talked about them before um, but that's make, a pretty good one i bet not many people do 
It's huge. They're so light. So it's an emergency awesome. blanket, the tin foil. Yep. So it's a survival item. Obviously, is what they're designed for. But continue. And they weigh like nothing, one ounce yeah. or something. Yeah, super, super light. So light, and they're pretty big. They're like six foot by three, three foot or yeah, something. Three by mm-hmm. six foot or something. And then tell them when we use them. Uh, so we use these for meat care. So when we harvest an animal and we cape the animal out, you have this skin you know leg or whatever you're working on and you don't want to put it on the ground you have nowhere to put it so we lay these emergency blankets down as a tarp as a tarp and we lay them on there and then we finish cleaning up that meat and taking care of it and doing the animal justice so we use it to keep it clean when we roll it and move it and just it's somewhere to set it down where you're not setting in the dirt and then we can do a couple more touch-ups on it and then we set it in the game bags yep which are like, we have synthetic ones, right? Mm-hmm. Pillowcases. We have to double check, make sure we have enough of those. I think we do, but. Yeah. Those. Pretty much only need one big one per pack. Mm-hmm. Like Gary anyways, really. Yeah. And debone meat. I don't know if we really talk about that too much, but uh, we we feel it's uh, the right decision to take the time to take that, them bones out of the out of the, the meat. You know, just take the good, clean uh, debone meat. Them bones weigh a lot. And I can't believe how many people carry entire elk heads out off the mountain in their pack like like 25 pounds or something i'm just guessing but it just crazy we took a full elk and the rack and the hide with three guys yep three guys we walked seven miles or something and um you need a bone saw you need a bone saw a light one that Mm -hmm. can cut through and then um need an extra uh, pack for uh, game bag for the hide I think mm-hmm. we did, and then, mm-hmm. and then we te- teamed that off. Um, check all the rules and regulations because some states, like Alaska, we're not allowed to take off the bone. You have to keep it on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And where we were, we can. So check each rules of the yep. state. And so make sure if you guys use these emergency blankets as a, a tarp, make sure you take them with you. Don't leave them out yeah. there. It's uh, it's our responsibility to leave it as we found it and, and not leave you know, not leave trash and garbage out there. That's uh, really important. And then we... Uh, we bought a freezer last time, and we had two of them in the trailer mm-hmm. and plugged in on the spot. And then uh, we hiked them down, got in the truck, drove over to our spot, figured it all out. And then uh, now Kelly has taken over <laughs> that freezer. Yeah. So we've been stocking up, and so now we're one freezer short. So yeah, we're actually full of breast milk right now. <laughs> no. my, wife's, my wife's milk uh, got, got a couple New hundred ounces uh, yeah. Hanging out in there, so I'm like, guys, we need another freezer. <laughs> my, my how times have changed. Yeah, <laughs> little princess, three months old or four. Yeah, little Meg. So that's great. So now we need another freezer. We'll probably donate it to Kelly again. Mm-hmm. So he has another one for the deer. <laughs> that's what he needs up. more freezer. Yeah. <laughs> um, so supplies are coming strong. We're calling up. a little bit. So I know we're experimenting with a couple of different reads and that. And uh, we're by no means experts, but we're trying to be a little no. bit more prepared than we were last year. For sure. Uh, me personally, I like watching YouTube videos of just real elk in the wild calling. And I just copy them. Yeah. And uh, we're pretty big proponents of just bugling, at least at this point in our <laughs> calling uh, <laughs> adventures. Uh, just bugling. We've heard some, some negatives about, you know, possibly... Uh, uh, cow calling with bugling or uh, chuckling or other things so we're sticking with just a straight simple bugle uh, for reasons that you know that it's very unlikely that bull elk will be scared of that bugle we're not that good i'm just open to whatever works yeah if you watch the video the last time we went all cutting we 
interviewed and Kelly said, well, I'm not calling. On this trip. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, the second day in, we were calling all over the mountain trying to kill off. Yeah, for sure. Whatever works. Like if we get there and a the cow call works, we're, we're going to be using a cow call. <laughs> yeah. Share with the listeners uh, a couple of videos I watched that really hit home with me was emotion in your call was more important than the skill of the call. So how you and you saw that time a little Absolutely. bit get into you know yeah and then they just get cool. more angry and eventually once you start losing that bull what do you have to lose so I'm like this nope. is desperation time I'm just gonna just scream with that call and man that really seemed to get them fired up and sometimes if you can close that distance too they would tell if you can break in that hundred hundred and fifty yards they just they have to come if they're yeah. too close I think uh, that breaking sticks and making noise breaking, and everything yeah. I think that worked big time big time. That just kind of reinforced that, hey, I'm here, and we broke branches and made noise, and, and that, that got them fired up. Elk are big animals, man. They they break a lot of stuff and make a lot of noise, so we just tried to duplicate that for sure. And being quiet when we were walking wasn't really that big a deal. If we're calling like no. an elk, you can just kind of go. And I don't know if you remember, we went to cover a brush pile. I'm like, we're going to break so many sticks. And I was scared of this, but... I went one, two, three. We bugled at the same time we crashed through the stick. So the bugles were covered a little bit. But then mm-hmm. after I learned farther, it probably didn't really matter anyways because we hear them coming. They're just, especially when they're raking and stuff, mm-hmm. we saw yep. one elk fight and they did from raking right before they fought. Yep. And I'm like, wow, they're doing it too. Mm-hmm. I think what you said a minute ago was huge. Like once you're losing that bull or it's getting farther away or it's not bugling as much, like what do you have to lose? Like, go all out every time you did it like they were coming back or we'd get an encounter or like it was working and then don't have them come to you as much as you can go to them until you get to a clearing or a spot or the wind's wrong and then you kind of got to make a second game plan but um, as much as you can as you're calling and they're calling keep attacking them what i mean by attacking is walking towards them Mm -hmm. closing the gap i did buy uh some more wind checker uh, powder um that was pretty huge you mean carson not gonna lick his finger lick, again lick finger, yeah a hundred times a hundred times yeah them thermals and stuff that was uh that was a huge learning curve yeah busted a lot of elk out of there and we, we learned a lot so the big elk trips coming up we got camp uh trail cameras all over the place going down you guys got a new boat that's for um, bow fishing, alligator gar, that kind of stuff. So even in the middle of August, we're going at it pretty hard right now. Yeah. Workouts. Know. Never really stopped, right? Yeah. I mean, just yeah, really. trying to do a lot more working out right now. We only got a couple weeks left. I'm really not slacking, not taking no days off. Home stretch. I was thinking about that at practice last night. Getting a little couple extra goes. That's getting close. Um, time to pick up the food about now. Good. Yeah, I've been buying mountain houses for last month or two. Just whenever I see a flavor I like, I order them off Amazon or whatever. I have them shipped right to the house. I got a, I have uh, two totes, Tupperware totes. But pretty much one is everything that will go into my pack is all in one tote. So obviously right now we're working out with our packs. I am. I know you guys are too. Um, I have a sandbag ratcheted to mine, uh, pack frame and using that and um everything that goes in my packs in one tote and the other is backup stuff so my five days of food is in my pack tote and i got you know five or six more days of food in the other tote mm-hmm. so um being organized is pretty huge i know we went out there we loaded a 14 foot enclosed trailer and um it wasn't full by any means but everybody was very well organized we came down on the mountain 
to reload our gear and do stuff like everybody had everything labeled ready to go and we made it easy enough to if somebody stayed on the mountain i could come town and be like carson what do you need out of your tote and you're like uh, my food's in this bag my this and this and this like everybody knew where everybody's crap was that labeled was pretty, it that was pretty huge mm-hmm. yeah i think we even wrote like backup tote two yeah and then like cp so i'm like go to my number two one grab this if we need to we could have yeah. explained we had everything labeled the sharpies yep. mm-hmm. i had all my sleep system my uh pad sleep bag and cotton everything in a dry bag and it said tom sleeping and yours said cp so i mean everything was very well organized mm-hmm. i think that was a huge huge deal saves time yeah. and, and i think as we get closer we will go through our packs together i think it'd be a good idea for our listeners to sit down we'll explain exactly what's in our pack uh, we'll try to give you guys weights uh, on each item the, the best we can and uh, go through and we have some what we call community items which is items that all three of us use together um, so we'll separate those evenly and then we have items that you know, uh, personal items that we each take. And uh, you'll see some, obviously a lot of similarities, but you'll see some differences that we all choose to bring. And uh, we'll talk about those as we get closer. And once you've done this, you have experience that it just gets easier every time. So I think our packs would generally be about the same. If we were hiking farther, we may get rid of some um, luxury items. Yeah, that's what I was looking for, luxury items. If we're going to Alaska next year, we're going to pay around the same pack. We're going to pack a little bit heavier, a couple mm-hmm. more clothes, and it's going to be all similar stuff. And so now we're ready for a step down lighter, a middle one, because we're doing a base camp and heavier. If we had another 15 pounds to our pack, we can pretty much bring everything we can think of. Mm-hmm. I was telling uh, Lee that today. I said I almost feel unprepared. Me too. Because we we generally tend to do a trip every year and uh, we don't do guides. We do our own thing. Um, but we don't generally go to the same spot and do the same hunt. So this is a duplicate hunt. We did this two years ago. Um, Which is very rare for us. It's mm-hmm. pretty rare. So all of my stuff is pretty much there. I know what I did last time. I know what I took. And I know what I wanted to change. So there's not a whole lot of homework into it mm-hmm. or research. Like my tote from two years ago that was packed for Colorado it's packed already like Mm -hmm. it's good to go and that do's and don'ts video really helped me so after I watched it I watched it too (laughs) so we did a video post hunt video of what we use what we didn't use what we liked what we didn't like and and, uh, all that sort of stuff Um, so we did that after um, after the last trip so that was really nice and convenient to go back and watch that and say hey what what can we do different and it was all you know listed Mm -hmm. in one video for us so these YouTube videos we did because started because we want to show people. Now we're going back watching our own videos and our, making our videos so we watch for the future to see dad voice, do's and don'ts, rewatch how we did and reacted, how I'm going to talk a little different on the camera, talk the same. Sure. It's so cool to go back and relive those moments mm-hmm. through those videos Probably. and these podcasts and you know all this recording of us is is super fun to look back on probably only going to do it more and more now that the kids are getting bigger and going to do more stuff i imagine for yourself (laughs) (laughs) some of us got babies at home (laughs) some are getting older yeah i would imagine at some point we're going to start duplicating hunts you know going to start wanting to go back and do stuff the easier ones a lot of stuff out there but we've been blessed to keep switching it up Mm -hmm. i'm almost running out of ideas of stuff i want to shoot (laughs) you have like a dozen (laughs) wrote on a piece of paper of our to-do list yeah next 12 years but 
Um, a lot of them have question marks. Maybe the next one or two picked out, but then we have another five that we're like, I just don't know what order we're going to do this. That's in. the problem. Everybody's life obviously comes into play. So Kelly's having, you know, young kids and babies right now. So you got to move the schedule around and adjust to, to figure it out. But, but you got to keep talking about it or else you won't have that list in the first place. Yeah. And if one goes out, you just plug another one in. You just bump it down a year and just readjust it. It pretty much goes without saying we're going on a trip every year. It's just a matter of what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I have no intention on, of missing one. So. Yep. That sounds great. I think it gives our listeners quite a bit to listen to for this. Yeah. Sure. If you guys have questions, please uh, send us a message. Absolutely. And don't forget to check out Bragging Rights on YouTube, Bragging Rights Outdoors with a Z. And uh, got some videos up there. And appreciate you guys listening and joining in on us. Yeah. Appreciate it. Lee, uh, happy anniversary to you and your wife. You could be here tonight. They're celebrating. And uh, hopefully next time we do a podcast, we'll do uh, a pack dump and see what's in our packs. Sounds great. Thanks for listening. And check out the rest of the social media. Throw some questions if you have any.